tonight we're have our first Wednesday night in this 40 days of hearing God that our church is focusing on uh, in this series. And uh, tonight's teaching um, is a, a very important foundational one for this topic. Uh, the issue of how does this happen, this communion with God? What's taking place in us? How, how is God working this out in us? Um, this is a long teaching to talk about tonight. Uh, we don't have the three hours I probably need tonight. And so we'll try to be as brief as possible to the point. Uh, so if you're taking notes, um, I have to keep moving. So you can always rehear this again and uh, take uh, notes accordingly. In 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 14, we have this classic scripture that speaks to us on this topic of hearing God. Uh, here in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 15, I'm reading from the um, Amplified uh, New American Standard Bible. Paul says, for if I pray with a tongue, my spirit prays and my mind is unfruitful. What is the outcome then? I will pray with the spirit and I will also pray with the mind. I will sing with the spirit and I will sing with the mind also. So here in this middle of this uh, group of chapters on spiritual gifts, Paul touches on a very important prayer topic uh, and mentions a praying with the spirit and the mind. And he touches on a, a conflict also for us when we start to dwell on this. How do you reconcile these two, spirit and mind? They appear as opposites. One is our rational mind, and the other is the spirit mind, known as the mystical. Uh, some would call these polar opposites. On the axis of the earth, you have the North Pole, the South Pole, they're polar opposites. Um, these are also polar opposites. Let me explain one way. I don't have a PowerPoint with me, so I have these really cheesy uh, drawings I made. I hope they're okay. I um, hope you can see this all right. Okay, this is a simple scale. I see, I see my right is your left, your left is my right. Okay, there we go. It's a simple scale where we have opposites here and we also have a synergism, a centerism of polar opposites. Oh boy, I'm really messing this up. Okay, there we go. Now let's take um, alkaline and acidity, for example. They're opposites. Uh, let me go this way. Let's say um, we have alkaline on, on, on one end here and acidity on the other end. Now this is not a true pH scale, but you can see the polar opposites. And somewhere in the middle, there is a neutral. Well, with that in mind, with that thought in mind, um, I know I had another one here somewhere. Oh, here we go. Um, the topic of uh, rationalism and mysticism is very similar. Uh, here on one end, we see the left brain, which is known as the rational mind, and the right brain, which is known as the mystical. And they're opposites. And somewhere in the middle, there's a blending of the two where they're in a perfect harmony. Some people can be way over here at one end or way over there on the other end, or not so far, closer to a centerism. Um, now for myself, 
I definitely am wired by God for the left brain. I would probably be around a number one. If you got to make a put a foot somewhere in a camp, it's good to put it towards the rational type. Um, Rosemary and I are both left brain people with a right brain son. God has a sense of humor. Well, anyway, uh, with that in mind, we see these opposites, and um, we need to know not one is right and the other's wrong. They're just different in how God has wired people. They both have value. But when we see things like this, over the centuries, these two groups, oh boy, here I go again. These two groups have never gotten along very well. The left brain folks thinks the right brain people are uh, uh, overly mystical, feely, touchy, don't use enough rational reasoning. The uh, right brain people think the left brain people are like Pharisees. And uh, so they don't get along very well together. Uh, but yet both have value uh, because um, there is both a spiritual and a rational aspect to our Christianity. And also in our prayer life and the topic we're on, hearing God. So let's contrast these a little bit, the rational and the mystical. They're opposites. Um, if our reliance is on the rational, we're relying a lot on our five senses. But if our reliance is on the mystical, we're relying on direct spiritual encounter with God. Uh, the rational in Christianity kind of began with Thomas Aquinas in Christian history, whereas the, uh, the mystical was popular very early in Christian history, especially with the monastics. The rational, uh, is knowing God verse by verse in the Bible. But the mystical is knowing God by inward witness. The rational goal is to develop the mind. The mystical goal is to develop the spirit. Uh, the rational is a conscious level only, whereas the mystical tends to be in um, dreams and visions are prevalent. Uh, the rational uh, wants to direct our life by cognition and, 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 and analysis, but the mystical by spontaneous flow of thought as Holy Spirit enlightens us. Uh, in the rational, we want to expand our minds, our head knowledge. Nothing wrong with that. But in the mystical, we want to expand our heart's illumination. The rational wants to uh, direct, have God direct us with stored up knowledge that we have of the Word of God. But the mystical wants God to directly deal with us as we wait upon him. Uh, the rational um, lives out what the mind tells us. And the mystical lives out what the heart says. And something else here. The rational is also known as the Logos Word of God. Whereas the mystical is known as the Rhema Word of God. So let's look at that a little deeper. Logos is a Greek word. It simply means in English, W-O-R-D, word. And it's objective. Everyone can look at the same thing. It's the written word. It's the rational word. Your Bible on paper is the logos of God. Rhema is a Greek word, and it also it means in English, W-O-R-D, word. But it's different. It's very subjective, very personal. It's inspirational from the Holy Spirit. It's a now immediate word. It's a, it's a mystical experience 
within us. So both Logos and Rhema are both good, but they're different. So it's important as we look at this, we kind of remember this uh, pH scale concept of right left brain, Logos and Rhema. So if you have taken notes, maybe take a piece of paper and divide it down the middle for Logos and Rhema. And we'll kind of like contrast these a little bit. Logos is the general word of God. Rhema is a specific word of God where the scripture comes alive and speaks to you personally. The entire Bible is the Logos of God. Uh, Rhema is spoken to our hearts by the Spirit of God for the moment. Uh, we study the Logos of God and we learn it and know it. But we tune into the Spirit of God to find rhema, to know God's voice in our hearts. Um, the Logos our thoughts from the mind, the rational and the analytical. And the rhema are spontaneous, found in the heart. So the scriptures are illuminated thoughts to us. And they become cognitively written on paper, the Logos of God. Holy Spirit speaks them to us by inspired words in our hearts, and the Logos becomes the rhema of God to us. So God's rhema voice is sensed by a spontaneous flow of thoughts, ideas, words, feelings, pictures, vision. Uh, so three important points here that we want to hold on to in this Logos-Rhema relationship. First of all, the Logos is foundational. Without the written word of God, you have no word of God. It's foundational. We need the written word, the logos of God. Second here, God desires to speak to us, not only through his written word, but by using it as a foundation, a logos. The word of God, the logos goes into our hearts. And then number three, God uses his voice, the rhema word, by our spontaneous flow that we notice within us, unmeditated in other words i didn't plan this by my mind it comes spontaneous unmeditated and we recognize that as the voice of the lord so when i go to the written word of god with my mind holy spirit shows me jesus the logos of god when i go to prayer with the written word in me and speaking it out of my mouth Holy Spirit shows me the living Jesus, the rhema of God. So therein lies that communication with hearing the voice of God, that communion with God. Biblical communion with God um, is hearing God by combining those analytical, rational thoughts with spontaneous, internal voice of Holy Spirit. It tells us in John 1.1, 1, 1, Jesus is the word of God. That's the Logos. And Jesus, the Logos of God, came and took on a physical body and came to the earth as a Savior. Then we have the written word, Jesus is the written Logos of God. Then Jesus, the written word of God in us, is now a living rhema word. That's why we must search the scriptures often, daily, to find the Logos, Jesus, the word of God. Add faith to it believe it and it comes alive in us in order to find our communion with god so here's an important principle 
Um, we need to be led by Holy Spirit through the word. If you're led only by the word of God, you will be a Pharisee. If you're led only by the spirit of God, you will be a kook. We need the written word as a foundation. We're led by Holy Spirit through the word of God. 1 John chapter 2, verses 20 through 27 illustrates that for us. So one thing to remember is that the cognitive mind is always subject to the spirit of God and of the heart. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10. For to us, God revealed them through the spirit. For the spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. So God reveals through his spirit here in verse 10 of, of, second, of 1 Corinthians 2. And only by the spirit can a man know the thoughts of God. The mind is a processor of those illuminated thoughts that come into our hearts. So why is the mind important? Or what do we do with the mind then? Uh, there's an old saying, personal revelation from God is always superior to human reason, but not contrary to reason. So God is not calling us to an either-or scenario. Either your mind or your heart, choose now. Things are falling down next to me. Uh, rather, he expects us to use both of them. So because we put the word of God in us, our minds get renewed by the spirit of God, and a spiritual soundness enters into our minds. As the scripture tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, from the King James Bible, that God has given us a sound mind. I didn't have that before I met Christ as my Savior. I thought I did. I had a mind conforming to the evil one of this age. But now I have a sound mind because the word of God goes in it and gives me clarity. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 23, it says, Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. So when we come to him with our hearts and process them with our minds, and test everything against the written Logos word of God, our mind becomes then subject to our hearts and we get illumination from the Holy Spirit. We're never gonna hear God with our rational minds. We're never gonna find him with our rational minds. If that would be true, only the most intelligent could find him. And the truth is, they usually know him the least. He's found by faith in the faith arena in the spirit realm. So we hear the voice of God, not with our ears, which means we experience God with the heart because the mind alone is incapable of spirit communication and fellowship with the Father. So there's a balance there of the two, the mind and the heart. Remember that synergism, that centerism diagram. Uh, we all want to be of balance, uh, there it is, as much as possible. And honest for me, uh, the, the, the one I've met in my life who has had that most center balance is uh, Pastor Walter Healy. I've never met someone who is a better balance of the left and right brain, the spirit and the mystical. Uh, mystical and the logos, the rational. Um, so that's um, rare to find people with that type of a balance. Uh, we have to remember also, don't be like the Pharisees who only want a Logos relationship with God, a written word relationship with God. 
John rebuked them. I'm sorry. Jesus rebuked them in John chapter 5, verse 39. By thinking only through the written word, you could find God. How about that? I went to a seminar years ago uh, on biblical counseling. And it was run by a group of fundamentalists. And the guy was up there with this PhD, very well-known guy in fundamentalist Christianity. And he said, prayer is a one-way conversation. God doesn't talk back. Wow. <laughs> that guy was a pure rationalist and had no understanding of the dimension of the spirit. I mean, he was totally wrong by a long country mile. Uh, and Jesus rebuked the Pharisees to have an attitude like that, that you can only know God because you have the written word. Or rather, he tells them that because of the written word, it would testify of him. So, as we go through this here, um, we can't spend a lot of time on this, uh, but you're getting the, the, the gist of it, I hope. Uh, we should be like the Berean Christians of Acts chapter 17, verse 10 and 11. They were called noble-minded. They received in spirit the word of God with eagerness, but they went to test it and examine it against the written word with the tool of the mind to see if what they heard was true. We should be always doing the same. Never going with someone's verbal word, God has told me and therefore here is his mind, but rather test it against the word of God. We're told to test everything in the word of God, We're told to test everything and hold fast to that which is good. Because not all we hear is good or from him. So not all, you know, hear God exactly the same way. It's very uh, subjective in how we do it. And it may not fit all. So try not to copy other people in this season of hearing God. Uh, there's a lot of people, they blab right and left. God said this, God said that, I hear God. A lot of them don't. Uh, not that we want to be cynical, but uh, never test yourself against somebody else. Their experience is their experience, and you're not supposed to be measuring yourself against someone else. Uh, some folks are just overly mystical. That's how they're wired. And that could lead them to error because it's very internal and subjective experience. So we want to be as objective as possible to test it against the logos of God. So in some closing thoughts here, uh, prayer can be a spiritual encounter or it could be a works encounter. Jesus accuses the Pharisees in John 5 for their love of the works. God doesn't want our works. He wants our hearts. Uh, we want to want to know him. And by getting to know him, uh, we're giving him the opportunity to find out what he wants, not what we tell him what he wants. So it depends on your motives here when you enter into communion with God. Um, Christianity should be a relationship, not a set of rules, uh, not a set of organized do's and don'ts. Again, Jesus rebukes the Pharisees in John chapter 5. Or thinking like that. So hearing the master's voice within us should mean everything. And we'll be exploring that topic as we have these 40 days uh, that we're in right now of hearing God. So perhaps a closing thought here. When people drive on a journey, they used to say years ago, happy motoring. Uh, today on our lifetime journey that we're on, a lifetime journey of hearing God, 
Happy listening.